And we are back with On Second Thought from GPB. I'm Virginia Prescott. When Luma Mufle m- moved from Jordan to the United States in 1994 to attend college, she didn't imagine she'd be running a full-fledged school for refugees. Well, the Fuji's Academy in Clarkston is part of the Fuji's family nonprofit that was named the nicest place in Georgia by Reader's Digest and was a finalist for that publication's annual Nicest Place in America list. Coach Luma, as she is known by her students and Fuji Academy community, joins me now in the studio to talk about building equal educational opportunities for refugee children. Luma, a hearty welcome to you. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an amazing story. It all began with you. This idea for a soccer academy for refugee youth began in 2004, living near Atlanta, feeling a little homesick, took a wrong turn while driving. What What happened? Um, I was on my way to a Middle Eastern grocery store in Clarkson uh, to get, you know, uh, authentic pita bread and hummus. Uh, I missed my turn onto Ponce de Leon, ended up in this apartment complex, and I saw some kids uh, outside playing soccer. Um, and they remind me of the way I grew up playing soccer in the streets of Jordan with my cousins and brothers. And um, I wanted to play. I had been feeling homesick. Uh, the game that I loved was right there in front of me. Um, and so I had a soccer ball in my trunk. I had been coaching uh, club soccer for a while and asked to join a game uh, with six boys. And uh, they really wanted the soccer ball, um, but were reluctant about letting a woman and a stranger play with them. Mm. Um but the ball won out. Uh, they got in their huddle, discussed amongst themselves, and then reluctantly said, okay, you can play. Um, and I got the chubby kid and uh, the really short one. And that's how it all started in a parking lot in Clarkson, Georgia. So you started playing with them more regularly. And then some of them approached you for tutoring. Uh, and you learned, for example, that after three years of living in the U.S., one of them still couldn't read or write in English. So how did that realization affect you? Um, it, sh- it shook me to my core. Um, my parents sent me to British and American schools growing up, um, because they believed that Western education was the best the world had to offer, specifically American education. And so I thought all schools in America were like my American school in Jordan. And I was shocked, uh, to find out that was not the case. Uh, one of my players, uh, quiet kid, really good kid, um, my players had to give their report cards in order to play. He had A's and B's. I was working with him on his homework, and he would say, I have a headache. Can you read to me and help me fill it out? I did it first day. Second day, I did it again. By the third day, I was like, come on, what's going on? Um, And he looked up at me and said, Coach, I can't read. Mm. And like I I was like, how can one of my players who's been in this country for three years not be able to read? And I felt he was set up for failure. Um, And I said, if this was my kid, what would I do? And I would send him to a private school that could meet his needs. I couldn't afford a private school, so it was actually cheaper to start one um, <laughs> than it was amazing. to send him to That one. is amazing. Yeah. See, Fuji's Academy began there. Six kids, one mm-hmm. teacher indicator. You yep. say that it's doubled in enrollment every year since then. So yeah. how how competitive is it for students to enroll at Fuji's Academy, which, by the way, is free, private, um, no, tuition-free mm-hmm. private school? Um I would say it's kind of like the reverse admission process of a regular private school. So we take our students, they they apply to come in, we take them out on the soccer field, and we do what we call tryouts. And we're not looking for the most athletic kid. We're looking for the kid that pushes themselves the hardest, that doesn't give up, that shows up on time, um, that's willing to struggle a little bit, uh, because that's what they're going to be up against in the classroom. Um, and then we do an academic test 
and we take the lowest performing students. So we want to take the kids that need it the most, not the kids that are going to be okay regardless. Why called Fuji's? It's a take on refugees. Right. You uh, read, but I was yeah. thinking the Fuji's band spelled a little differently. <laughs> um, so I, I, I am a fan, or I was a fan of the band. Um, and, you know, when we wanted to name our team, we didn't think it would end up being this bigger, uh, like, social justice organization. We thought it would just be a soccer team. Um, and I remember one day we were driving to a soccer game, and the, Lauren, the radio said, oh, here's Lauren Hill with the Fugees. And the kids were like, oh, they stole our name. And I was like, no, guys, <laughs> other way around. We took their name. Um, but we kind of wanted to take back the name, embrace it. Uh, there's power to being a refugee. There's no shame in it. Um, and so kind of just reclaiming uh, what it is to be a Fuji. So you make the argument that public education, the system as it is, is not adequately equipped to support these kind of students in their unique academic needs. Here's a student, is Mahmoud, and on his experience in public schools when he first arrived in the U.S., this was after living as a Somali refugee in Kenya. My name is Mahmoud, and I'm a Fuji. My family is, my family is from Somalia, but I was born and raised in Kenya. I joined the Fujis in 2007, when I was 12 years old. I was in the fourth grade, and I was the only person, I was the only kid in my class who did not speak English. I was just watching the other kids learn. I felt like the teachers didn't even care whether I was learning or not. I took a test and failed, so I had to repeat the same grade again. I couldn't even write a complete sentence. So his story, unfortunately, is not uncommon. What, what is missing in the current educational system as pertains to refugee students? Um, so uh, when a refugee comes into the country, uh, the student is placed in the age-appropriate class, not the level appropriate. Uh, the bulk of refugees have had disrupted education or no formal education whatsoever. So we're talking about students that are coming in age 12 or 13. Some of them have never held a pencil. Uh, some of them have never been physically in a classroom. And we expect the same approach that we do for the bulk of our students to work. And it doesn't work at all. Uh, they need to be in more sheltered classroom. They need to be in protected environments where they are taught the basics and the fundamentals. And their first experience in a school is positive. Because if your first experience in a school is negative, that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. Um, it started out as an all-boys school, but now is co-ed. Has there mm -hmm. been any differences or particular challenge faced when adding girls to the school? Um, you know, it didn't intentionally start off as a boys' school. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm from the Middle East, and I went to Smith College, and so for me, I uh, always wanted uh, girls to, to come in. Um, I think it, the challenges were first uh, with the families. You know, making them understand that if their daughters were coming in, it would be the same exact program that their daughters could not leave early to uh, clean up at home or cook or any of that. So it was that we this it was the exact same program. And then, yeah, it's the same challenges all, all co-ed schools do, you know, um, middle schoolers, crushes, all, all, all the stuff that comes with uh, mixing the genders together. I want to pick up on that. You, you did come and you were a refugee yourself yes. who resettled in the U.S., came here to attend Smith, as you mentioned, and then you came out as gay, which would mean persecution or even death in your home country of Jordan. So you sought asylum in the U.S., granted citizenship in 2011. Does that, you being a gay woman, run up against any of the traditional values carried by some of the students and their families who are new to the U.S.? You know, um, I thought it would. You know, I was... Um 
uh, outed in a in a weird way. So I had gotten married in the age of social media. The pictures popped up uh, online, mm-hmm. and some of my players saw them. And this was after our winter break, and I came into school, and a number of my players were upset and um, angry, and I was I was worried that they were not going to accept me. And so I brought in my three oldest uh, players, the leaders of the school, and I said, you know, I want to apologize to you for not telling you that you had to find out like that. And they're like, why didn't you tell us? You know, like our relationship's always been very honest, very open. And I said, you know, a number of things. I met you when you were 11. Like, what do I say? Hey, I'm your coach. I'm gay. Mm -hmm. Um, I said, I was worried that you would um, not want me to be a part of your life. Like my family disowned me when I came out to them. And they're like, we would never do that. Like, we just wanted you to tell us. And then one of them was like, I'm just so upset you didn't invite me to the wedding. Um, And it was just like this big relief. Um, And they've been great and accepting. I think um, if you face that type of uh, hardship and trauma of leaving your home, you want family here. And you want people that love you for who you are. Um, and I crave that, and they crave that too. And it's it's an odd family. Like this, uh, what we look like as a school would never exist anywhere in the world. You know, it's like a gay Muslim family leading refugees from every conflict area in the world. Yeah. Luma Mufle is my guest. She is founder of the Fuji's Academy in Clarkston, Georgia. Well, so you have this experience as a refugee and as an outsider on some level. And the Fuji's Academy, the soccer teams travel across the state. Now, Georgia, the place with numerous immigration detention centers, not altogether welcoming. And we recall State Senator Michael Williams' deportation bus used during his campaign for governor. So I'm curious about the reactions that the the students themselves in Fuji's Academy receive as they're passing through these communities in the state? You know, I think uh, the Fuji's see the best and worst of America. Like, we will go out to a game and a Confederate flag will greet us. And on the field, kids will tell us, go back where you came from. And our kids will get very confused. They're like, why? We can't go back to where we came from. Like, we'd get killed. It's a war zone. Um, and then we'll finish up a game and the opposing team will invite us for pizza. Um, to sit down and talk and get to know each other. And so we see extremes in in, in a lot of situations that we're in. Um, I think the environment right now is scary. Like, we don't know how people are going to react, so we're very protective of our students. Uh, one of our students last year uh, was told she could not play in a soccer game because she wore a hijab. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to, like, teach our students how to advocate for themselves, how to, you know, uh, speak up. Uh, respectfully and ultimately that they are ambassadors and that we have a responsibility to educate uh, the United States on what it's like to be a refugee because I think the majority of the country doesn't understand it Um, and it's used to polarize and pull people apart. How about within the group? The students at Fuji Academy represent more than 32 different ethnic groups and some of these students come from backgrounds that have clashed traditionally with each other. How did those play out in the school and even on the field? You know, I would say the first year they're coming into us, our students will uh, self-segregate. They will stick with their group, with their faith, with their community. And then as they are mixed up, we intentionally mix up our students in their houses, in their classrooms, in their um, on their teams. And then by the second, third year, you start seeing them mixing up. Uh, you know, I was asked recently by one of our funders what – what is our biggest success? You know, and I know they want to hear data on our graduation rate, which is 100%, or college acceptance rate, which is also 100%. But my 
biggest like success is we have two kids uh, who are dating. Uh, one is Corinne and one is uh, Rohingya. And where they come from, uh, those groups are murdering each other. Mm-hmm. And these two kids have managed to find love there. Um, and I think that is what is beautiful about the work that we do, that we are mending uh, the pain that is caused outside of here. Well, so much gets carried in with them, and we know a lot more about how trauma imprints on young brains mm-hmm. now than we did even you know, five, ten years ago. So how about counseling and therapy? The, the, not always accepted practices for the cultures that many mm-hmm. of these students come from. But they're dealing with a lot of trauma. So how do you guide them through that in a way that's culturally appropriate? Um, a lot of the stuff we do is on the field. We say, you know, soccer is our mental health program. Sure. It's, uh, we start off our day with uh, yoga. Um, we're an athletic school, so it's very easy for us to say, okay, we're doing yoga as a physical activity. We end our day with soccer. Um, they're surrounded by kids with the same shared experience, and that's part of dealing with the trauma is that you are not alone. You are not the only one in the classroom who has seen war, who has seen your father shot or uh, your mother raped. Like, it's the entire school has had some type of that experience. Um, so it's combating the isolation. Um, it's creating a very safe space for them to be and be who they are. And kids are extremely resilient um, and strong, and we've seen it work. Uh, you reject that dominant narrative, that the idea of pitying or feeling sorry for refugees, and have said instead you'd like to refocus attention on what refugees, especially young refugees, are capable mm-hmm. of accomplishing with the right kind of support. So what do you think people misunderstand about this population? I mean, I, I think there's this misperception that, okay, you've, you've been in a war or you've seen these horrible atrocities. That means you cannot do anything. Um, and we underestimate the strength of, of humans and especially the strength of kids um, because we've seen kids, you know, where every statistic has said that they should not graduate from high school. Everything from the trauma they experienced as a kid, the malnutrition, the lack of prenatal care, uh, no literacy at home, um, separated fam- uh, parents. Uh, and so everything's saying they shouldn't graduate and then they do the impossible. And that's not because they're unique um, individuals. It is, their experience has made them so much stronger that they can accomplish what we consider the impossible. Well, you have been yourself uh, giving back to this community have been named again, the nicest place in Georgia from Reader's Digest magazine, CNN hero in 2016, subject of a best-selling book outcast United by Warren St. John of the New York times. You said the school like this wouldn't exist outside of America, but how do you reckon that with the fact that, you, out of hundreds of millions of Americans, had to piece this together, the Fuji's Academy, out of this need, and then made it a reality. What does it mean for you? Um, I think it speaks to what is uniquely American. You know, someone that had to flee their country, come here, uh, start from scratch. You know, my parents disowned me, and I, I had to build myself up. And uh, yes, it it did take a refugee and someone with the same shared experience to do that, but I think that's a great thing. Um, and now maybe more people can be inspired to do things in their community. You don't have to do it for everyone. You just have to do it for the people around you, and then it will grow. 
And now Columbus, Georgia, another program there. Columbus, and then, Ohio. Oh, Columbus, Ohio. Ohio. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And then, isn't there another in Ohio? And then uh, Cleveland will open next fall. Okay. Luma Mufle, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Luma is co-founder of the Fuji's Academy in Clarkston, Georgia. The school uses soccer and an adapted curriculum to foster educational opportunities for resettled children in Georgia. They've expanded again to Columbus, Ohio, planning to open another school in Cleveland this year. Well, we would love to hear your comments, your story about your refugee experience or your working with refugees or your experience coming to America. You can join the conversation. It's on our Facebook group, GPB Radio's On Second Thought. We also have a Twitter page where Twitter OST Talk. Let us know what you're thinking. And stay with us to hear from the Ghost Brothers, an Atlanta-based trio of former fraternity brothers investigating paranormal activities in homes across America. I'm Virginia Prescott. We will stay and get more of our spook on with On Second Thought after a short break.